0: I started this podcast in the summer of 2016 because I wanted to spread joy. I wanted to share stories of people, ordinary everyday people who are changing the world through what they do for a living. I started this podcast because I believed that by sharing these stories with you that you might be inspired to do something great with your life. And I don't want it to seem like that it's something that you have to do that's big and audacious and you have to start a company and you have to, you know, go overseas and do something insane with your life in order to make a positive impact on the world. I wanted to show you that you can do little things here and there in order to inspire those around you. You can make an impact on your community just by loving your family. You can volunteer. You can lend a hand when it's needed. You can say a kind word. You can leave a lunchbox note for your kids, even when you're making them lunch at home during quarantine. (laughs) I just wanted to use this as a platform to further inspire you that you as a consumer or you as a business owner or you as an employee, you can make a difference wherever you are. This is my first podcast that I am actually recording from my house. Uh, I share sometimes on here that I actually record from a recording studio. And so now that I am on quarantine during COVID 19, coronavirus, whichever one you want to call it, I have a little setup here in my house. And so I'm going to do my best to try to continue to bring you this inspiring content, these inspiring stories week in and week out. Now, Just so you guys know, a lot of these interviews I have pre-recorded for the past few months. I actually work about six to eight weeks out. So if there's anything in a conversation where maybe we're talking about being out and about with our kids or we're dropping off from school or we're going out to eat, just know that all of this was pre-recorded. So I usually just pre-record my intros and outros a week or two out from when the episode's actually going to air. But the interviews themselves, sometimes I work uh, multiple months in advance. So I just wanted to give you guys that heads up. But I just want you to know that during this time of uncertainty during COVID-19, Wherever you are, if you are on home quarantine, if you are, you know, if your community has shelter in place orders, um, I just want you to know that I love you. We are all in this together. We're going to get through this together. And I believe, I really do believe in my heart of hearts that we can come out on the other side of this stronger, but we just have to be in it together. And my goal with this podcast is, again, just to hopefully give you, you know, 45 minutes to an hour a week um, of inspiration. And I I am going to continue to bring you amazing guests who are doing fantastic things in the world. And this week is no different. Welcome to Business with Purpose. I'm your host, Molly Stillman of stillbeingmolly.com, and as always, this show is all about bringing you the stories behind the brands, companies, and small businesses that are changing the world. Each week, I interview an entrepreneur, CEO, nonprofit director, community leader, or just an incredible person who is trying to make a positive impact, not only through their personal life, but also with their career. My goal is to show you that no matter what you do for a living, you can make an impact wherever you are. My guest this week is Sasi Bai Kemis, the founder and director of Earth Air. Sasi founded Earth Air in 2013 as a social business focusing on luxury craftsmanship and showcasing the skills and traditions of craftspeople. She has a background in investment banking, private equity, nonprofit development agencies, mining, finance, sustainable development, corporate responsibility, and microfinance, while also having lived in eight countries over four continents. She is so passionate about issues pertaining to environmental sustainability, ecotech, and traveling. She is an incredibly uh, just inspiring believer. She lives in Malaysia. So that was so cool getting to use technology to talk to her all the way on the other side of the world. And I was just so inspired by her story and how she started Earth Air. I know you're going to be inspired by her too. So without further ado, on to my conversation with Sassi. Sassy, welcome to the show, all the way
1: from Malaysia. <laughs> Thanks, Molly. Um, it is 11 p.m. here, so as long as I don't yawn here and there, I'm just kidding.
0: <laughs> no, it's it, it, this has been one of my favorite parts of hosting this podcast. Is over the past goodness three and a half over three and a half years, I have interviewed people quite literally all over the world. I've interviewed people in Malaysia, Singapore, China, uh, Australia, Africa. I mean, the South America. I mean, I just all over the world. And so it, it's such a cool opportunity to use technology to be able to tell these stories and bring these conversations to life. And so it's just always something I never take for granted because technology is amazing.
1: Well, I mean, and I think it's also the kind of voice that you are you know of sharing you know your thoughts and being vulnerable and kind of bringing it all back to to God yeah
0: absolutely because
1: um, i think yeah i mean growing up in a country where being a christian you're a minority right so you don't really get that like i mean i don't really get to tell people i'm a christian mm. and I run my business with God in mind, mm, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's not a it's not a typical thing that I really get to say here. But yeah. I guess, then again, that's also not a typical thing you get to say in many places around the world. Yeah. I mean, yeah. even in the U.S.,
0: yeah. saying
1: that would be kind of like, whoa, are you like some, you know, people have <laughs> preconceived notions yes. of who Christians are. Yeah, so.
0: yeah. Wow. Absolutely. Well, that is one of the things I really wanted to talk to you about. So let's go ahead and just dive right into the conversation. Um, so Saucy, I'm going to have you do what all my guests do. And that's give us the Saucy 101. So tell us who you are. And uh, we know you're in Malaysia, so we, we, not where you are, but um, and and what you do and, and how it is you got to where you are today.
1: I know we only have half an hour, so I'm going <laughs> to do my best. So... Yeah, I was born here in Malaysia. I'm a child of immigrants in a way because um, my grandfather came here from India and my dad was born here. Uh, so I grew up here and then I spent time in the in the US, in the UK, in, in West Africa, in Europe. So studied abroad and then as I was getting towards age of 30, um, decided to come back to Malaysia. So there was sort of, if I was to kind of share a little bit more about my journey in studying Earth Air, it's a lot of it actually has to do with my childhood and a lot of it has to do with my father, actually. So when we were growing up, most of our summers we would go back to India and, you know, like how we were talking about Kenya earlier. And so for me going back to india was sort of like my introduction to my roots and but it was so different from what i was used to you know it was the first time that i really saw poverty and people without clothes and homes that didn't have toilets and you know which was so alien to me because in malaysia we had all of our basic needs we had a home with a roof and So I think early on, I became introduced to this idea that the world is not what I see and what I know. Mm -hmm. Um, And that there's another world and many different worlds out there that I have no idea about. And I remember this specific scene when I was about eight years old and I was walking with my father in, in a village and everyone in the village sort of came around us and stood around us and... Started asking us for money. And my dad reached into his pocket and took out like a wad of rupees he had and gave them out. And, And I remember thinking, we're not rich, you know? Why do these people want money from us? You know? And then it was this realization that the little that I thought that I have is a luxury to so many people, right? So, I kind of grew up with this um, feeling that, you know, in my life, that okay, you know, I think I want to do something with my life that gives back to people, and that idea kind of grew. And then when I went to the, so I did my undergrad in the U.S. and. I studied finance and I thought, you know, I went to work in New York and I thought, hey, you know what, what I should do is actually earn a lot of money because that's what poor people need, right? They need money. So I should make a lot of money and I should donate it. And so I went to work with an investment bank, made money, but I quickly grew very disillusioned with it because I thought no one around me cares about what's happening around the world. And people just cared about making more and more money. And I was like, I can't be in this environment. So I quit um, because I realized that while money is a means, what you actually need is people who are going to make a difference, you know, Mm -hmm. in the sense that that money needs to support people that are going to go out and create change, because otherwise that money is useless. So I decided then, okay, I'm going to go learn and understand why there is poverty. And so I went to do my master's to study about um, environment and development and conservation and gender and microfinance and all sorts of things. And I ended up Working in Ghana in West Africa for about um, two years, and it was really while I was in Ghana that really became was a very eye opening period of my life because I was working with the UN and then I worked with the, an NGO there, and the NGO was doing a lot of good work and but our funding was cut because Ghana was becoming a more more developed. And so a lot of donors were cutting their funding to the country. And we were at that point, some of our work was supporting HIV, AIDS orphans. And one of my colleagues said, what are we going to do? We can't make the orphans work. I mean, how, how are they going to support themselves, right? And I thought, this is ridiculous. Here we are doing good, and we don't have enough money. And in the world that I came from in finance... There's so much money and people are not really thinking about doing good. Mm -hmm. So, you know, then I thought there has to be a better way to do this. Like, why can't we make money and continue to do good so we don't have to depend on donations or grants? Um, So I think that was sort of the seed of the whole idea of social entrepreneurship in my life. So when I finally came back to Malaysia, I ended up working back in finance um, and while I was you know I was I was working hard and one night when I was driving home I fell asleep driving home and luckily I didn't have a car crash I was still you know clearly I'm still alive and that was like sort of like my wake up call because then I started I started thinking and I was like you know what Lord I don't want to die for a job. If I'm going to die tomorrow, I want to feel and believe that my life has meant something and I've left a legacy that I'm proud of. And you know what, Molly, up to that point, as much as I grew up as a Christian, I accepted Christ as my savior, I was really living my life to build a great CV. Mm. Um, Mm. I was... I wanted to go to the best universities. I wanted to go work in, you know, places or companies that I thought were amazing. And I was actually just creating a shiny CV. And for the first time in my life, I actually thought, why is it that I don't give to God the best of myself the way that I do to my career and my education? You know, and so I thought I actually should take some time off and really spend time with God. So I quit my job and I went to mission school. I went to YWAM, uh, Youth with The Mission in Hawaii. And I spent about three months there um, learning about the Bible and building on my relationship with God. And I mean, it was an, the most amazing experience of my life. And if anybody here is listening and is thinking about it, I highly recommend it. And it was after a couple of months in Hawaii that we actually went, ended up going to Cambodia and we were actually doing mission work there. And we were building schools, teaching English. And that was when I met with a lot of families that were struggling. And I met mothers who lost their children to traffickers. And I met children who were rescued from trafficking And, you know, it's just so heartbreaking. And I thought, what can I do? And so I actually just started buying products that, you know, um, the weavers that I met made. And I started selling them to my family and friends. And about a couple of months later, I met with um, an impact investor, uh, Dr. Kim Tan, who is also a Christian, And he said, look, if you really want to help these women, you have to make this a business. This cannot be a hobby. This can't be like a side gig. For it to be sustainable and to really help these people, you have to make your business sustainable. So I was like, you know, I'm not ready to start a business. (laughs) You know, I'm like, "Um, you know, this is fun. But do I have to go start a business now? I mean, I wasn't ready for it, but. I mean, I prayed about it and I actually remember telling God, yes, I told God, I was like, God, I don't think I can be a missionary, like, you know, (laughs) being in a a remote village and be preaching to people about you. I was like, can you use my skills, like what I study and who I am and what I'm passionate about? I was like, can you use me via business, you know? And I prayed that and so I ended up starting Earth Air, um, and actually the name Earth Air comes from Genesis two fifteen. It's from when God tells Adam, "Go and take care of what I've given you, right? To be a good steward of what I've given you." And I think, as Christians, I feel very strongly about this that we have a responsibility to steward mm. the environment and animals and, and people on this planet, you know, that we as Christians should be at the forefront of ecological conservation. And um, our logo, there's a fern in it. It actually comes from Ghana. It's called the Nyami Inti, which means um, God with us. So for me, like, I, Earth Air was really sort of like, when I decided, okay, God, I'm now going to like live my life for what you want me to do. It's not about building a CV. It's really about serving you. And so I quit my job and my dad was like, what? Um, So my dad was probably my biggest critic and my biggest supporter. He passed away last year. and
0: I'm so sorry.
1: Yeah, it's... um, it's probably been the most difficult year in my life um, last year. And I must say that I'm, if I'm really honest, I doubted God. I hated God. I shouted at God. <laughs> I was angry at God last year because it was just so horrible, not just because of my dad's passing. A lot of other things happened. And it was a very, very difficult time. And now, a year later, I can, I suppose, I can kind of see. God's goodness through it all, even if there was so much great pain, and death is cruel and death is horrible, um, and I wish there wasn't any death. But Jesus knows how painful death is. Um, anyway, getting back to <laughs> um, getting back to earth air. So my dad was quite disappointed in some ways that I quit my job when I was doing this because he asked me, I remember this, he's like, for of all the education that you've had and all of the skills and talents that you have, you're now selling scarves. You know, because when I first started Earth Air, we were actually selling scarves. So he's like, why are you wasting your talent? But now when I look back, Earth Air has been around for almost six or seven years and the journey that God has taken me through, taken our team and that we've built a company that is standing up for the idea of conscious consumption and why fair trade principles matter and why people matter and why people should think about the environment and why people should try to do good through business and not just do business in a certain way and then just donate money at the end of it, you know? I actually think that social entrepreneurship is a great business model and I wish every business in the world would be like a B Corp, you know? It shouldn't be that we do business as usual, make a lot of money and then we just donate that money. We should seek to change how we do business itself. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Anyway, so that's kind of like, you know, how Earthair started and what I'm doing now. And yes, I haven't explained what Earth Air does. Earthair is a social <laughs> enterprise that works with refugees and indigenous tribes and rural women and we make ethical fashion. So we make jewelry and bags and scarves and notebooks and stuff like that. So we're an artisan focused business. Yeah.
0: Well, there's so much of your story that is just really impactful in so many different ways. But I just wanted to quickly just kind of piggyback off of what you said, where you were talking about how every business you feel like should be a certified B Corp or, you know, doing using business as a force for good. And, Mm. you know, this is a conversation that I just I have so often with so many different people. And I think we're beginning to see that happen. Um, it's going to be a while before it's, you know, it's every business. But to even look at like where things were in 2013, when you started, all the way up to now, mm. I mean things look so yeah. different. And I think it's because... People are beginning to wake up and realize that this is something that needs to change. And uh, my friend Bethany Tran, who is the founder of the Root Collective, um, she actually talks about how like she wants the term like business as usual to change in the future to like business as a force for good is business mm. as usual and so we've had a lot of conversations around that and and additionally you were talking about how you know the the name of your company earth air comes from genesis two fifteen and and god challenging us to be stewards of what he's given us and how christians really need to be at the forefront of taking care of the environment and things like that and you know this is a conversation that i've talked about a lot and i actually um for the listeners if you guys go back to i think it's episode 170 of the podcast i actually shared how my faith and my my belief in god and and you know my my life as a christian really does fuel so much of what I do and my passion for fair trade and ethical fashion and things like that and and how I believe that Christians also need to be at the forefront of you know the ethical fashion world and and the fair trade world and how because if we are advocating for caring for the least of these, <laughs> then guess what we mm-hmm. need to be do d- doing? We need to be making sure that the least of these are are safe when they go to work, that they are not being exploited, that there is no thing such as human trafficking. <laughs> like we need to be advocating for those things. And and I agree, like I believe that taking care of the environment is also biblical. I mean, God literally commands <laughs> Adam to do it and like take care of of everything that that you have been given and Mm -hmm. so if I believe that's our job too and so often that just that isn't the case and that it needs to be and I mean and I know that we live in a, a sin scarred and a broken world and that's just as long as there is sin in the world like that's how it's going to be but at the same time like it doesn't have to be that way because we do have choice and we do have free will and we do have the ability to make better decisions or different decisions for the betterment of people and the betterment of the environment so anyway i just i wanted to say all that because i think you know i resonate so much with what you shared because that's that's so much of of my heartbeat as well
1: thank you yeah i mean it's i think it's something that i I have felt frustrated with, I must say, personally, you know, when I go to church and there are Christians who don't vote or <laughs> Christians who who don't think the environment matters or who are pursuing business as usual. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm, I mean, I'm not, I'm trying not to be judgmental here. Um, but, but, you know, it, it's because I was like, if we really believe in God and we really, you know, believe in, in all of the things that you said in caring for the least, you know, and caring for refugees, the fact that Jesus himself was born as a refugee, right. Mm -hmm. Um, And, Mm -hmm. and the number of people that I know who are like, Oh, keep refugees out of here, out of this country. And, you know, and, and I understand that I understand where that's coming from. But then at the same time, I, I, I think to myself, but that could have been us, That could be me. And that was Jesus. He had to leave his country with his parents. I mean, his mom had to leave the country and give birth to him in a different country, almost. And so it's something that, you know, we can't pretend to be like all holy and worshiping God And, you know, but then not be applying those things in the everyday decisions that we make and in our beliefs and how we vote and things like that.
0: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I could not agree more. Okay, I'm just taking a quick break from my chat with Saucy to share with you the brand-new Spring-Summer 2020 collection from Seiko Designs. The Hopefully Yours collection has everything from handcrafted legacy leather goods to hand-woven and block-printed textiles. Each piece in this collection is truly something to be treasured and celebrated just like you. I promise that these pieces are going to become treasured items in your collection, telling not just a story of your personal style, but a story of hope, resilience, and belief. And Lord knows we need that now more than ever. My personal favorites from the collection are the vintage satchel in this gorgeous mixed metallic leather, the circle crossbody bag in cognac, and the short caftan in hide-and-seek. Each piece in the collection is stunning, and I know that you are going to love it. To shop this beautiful, incredible fair trade collection, go to seikodesigns.com forward slash Molly Stillman. That's s-s-e-k-o-designs.com slash Molly Stillman. Now, back to my chat with Saucy. Now, I do want to ask you, and we were talking about this a little bit before we started recording and I guess, and also at the beginning, but I'm curious, you know, how did you come to faith, especially having grown up in cultures that are not majority Christian? How did that happen for you? So my mom's from
1: India and my mom was raised in a Christian family Mm. and my dad was raised in a Hindu family. And when my parents got married, my dad accepted Christ. So, I grew up in the typical Christian family where my parents forced us to go to Sunday school. But really, (laughs) I was just going to church to check out cute guys, you know. (laughs) I mean, I really was not like, it was really just a culture thing for me. It was something I did on a Sunday. It's something we did as a family. But when I was 17, I actually went for our church youth camp. and. I think that's probably when I can say I I was born again and I felt the Holy Spirit, mm. right? And I was going through a difficult point in my life at that point because I had been studying in Singapore and I had come back home to Malaysia and I had been living a very independent life and then coming back to Malaysia to live with my parents again was very difficult. Mm. And I had a very difficult relationship with my father and, I was actually kind of suicidal Mm. at that point. And I remember praying one night and thinking, oh, you know, Lord, I'm too much of a coward to go drink bleach. But I'm just going to sleep now and I don't want to wake up tomorrow. Can you just make me die in my sleep? Mm. So but of course I woke up and I was still alive the next day. And I was like, oh, dang, I'm still here. Um, wow. but it was in the midst of that period and that time in my life that I felt God's presence and in almost like a physical, tangible way, which I cannot explain. So that was when I thought, okay, this is not mumbo jumbo anymore. This is not just cultural. This is real, like more real than anything that I know. I know God exists. Um, so when I felt that truth for myself, and then that was when I sort of began my journey as a born-again Christian. Um, and, yeah, I mean, and, you know, it's not easy being a Christian here. And it wasn't an easy being a Christian in college in the U.S. either. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, but, you know, like I said, I think... One of the biggest turning points for me was also when I went to IWAM because I think that was really the point where I decided, okay, whatever decisions I make, whatever I do, however I live my life has to be led by God, by him, and I'll be living my life for him and not make decisions on my own for what I thought I wanted and what I needed in my life. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing that saucy and just, you know, sharing that really personal part of your story. I really appreciate that. And, you know, like you said, I mean, it's not easy being a Christian where you are there. It's not easy being a Christian here, but, you know, Jesus didn't promise us (laughs) that we would have an easy life. (laughs) He didn't promise us that things would be just like peachy keen. He promised us that we would have trouble and that things would get hard. And, but, you know, that he's overcome the world. And so it's our job to just take heart and to lean on him and for everything. And, um, but that is, that's sometimes easier said than done. But mm-hmm. um, I mean, I don't know about for you, but I know at least like in my life, in those times when things have been really hard and and the world has been really difficult. And I have just been in a lot of ways thrust to lean on him in everything that I do, He has just strengthened me in so many amazing ways. And and it's just it's so crazy that sometimes I look back on those really hard times and I just go, man, I'm so grateful for those really hard times, because had I not had those really hard times, I wouldn't be where I am right now. Mm-hmm. You know, and that comes with time, and it comes with spiritual maturity, and sometimes it's not always easy. But um, yeah, that's just—I
1: mean, yeah, that's something I, really I mean. But it's like when you're going through it, it yeah. really is like dark night of the yes. soul, Ugh. you know. <sighs> and sometimes that's when you're like, "How will I get through this?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. When will I get through this? And you know, and you want it to end. I mean, and it's normal. I mean, you have feelings of anger or hate towards God or whatever it is, you know, and He can handle it. So, what, yes. And w- what I learned through what, you know, last year was really, you know, God, when you're grieving and you're mourning and you're going through all this pain, you know, you should. It was easier for me to shut God out because I didn't want to talk to Him anymore, mm. you know, because I was so angry. <laughs> but, in the end, of course, you know, when you do start talking to God again, He's there and you realize that... I mean, I still don't understand why there is death. I mean, well, well, of course, I know why there's death. There's sin in the world. But yeah. it's, you know, it's when you're going through that process of losing someone you love, it just feels like the worst feeling. And some there were days when I didn't feel like I wanted to be alive anymore because I yeah. thought you know, my dad's not here. I I don't want to be here in this world with in a world where he's not here anymore. And yeah, I have no answers. But somehow, a year later, I can actually smile, I can talk normally Mm. without crying. Mm. And I'm moving forward. So that's a good thing.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, like I said, you are just somebody who really, um, you really inspire me with um, just the way you live your life and and how you are a witness to others and um, and obviously through the work that you're doing with Earth Air, like you are you're being a good steward of the things that you've been given and you're changing lives and you're using business as a force for good and it's just it's really really incredible. So thank you for the work that you do and for how you are just such a Um, you're just, you are on fire for the Lord. And you just, you just really reflect that. And so thank you for all that you do.
1: Thank you, Molly. Thank you so much for your time. Oh,
0: absolutely. Now, before we go, just a couple of things. Um, So first, if somebody is interested in learning more about earth, air, and, you know, the work that you're doing, and and they want to support you in any way, how can they do that?
1: Yeah, so we have a website, It's earthair.com, E-A-R-T-H-H-E-I-R.com. We're on Instagram, we're on Facebook, so um, people can follow us, they can drop us a message, um, they can email us um, through any of these channels, and they can Google Earth Air, and they can read, (laughs) you know, video, I mean, watch videos or read articles that have been written about us and what we do in our journey.
0: Awesome. Um, Yeah. Well, I will definitely make sure to include all of that in the show notes for the listeners. Um, And lastly, before we go, uh, Saucy, this is one of my favorite parts of the show. And that's where we get to just ask some just fun questions to get to know you a little bit better. So Saucy, are you ready for the get to know you round? okay Okay. so question number one is if you had to eat the same meal for dinner every night for the rest of your life what would it be
1: Uh, okay it would be um, a south indian dish called a tose which is actually like a savory crepe Mm. Um, and it's like a breakfast food Uh, it's like a staple in south india and I love it. I absolutely love it. So I think the closest thing in Africa you which you may have come across might be in injera in in Ethiopia. Oh, okay. Uh,
0: Ooh, know? that sounds good. I might need to look up a recipe for that.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you might find it in an Indian restaurant where you are. So
0: awesome. Awesome. Okay. Well, question number two
1: is what
0: is something that I would never guess about you? I can kind of speak Swedish. (laughs) Ooh. Yeah, you do speak a lot of languages. So what are all the languages that you speak?
1: (laughs) Well, so in Malaysia, I mean, a lot of kids grew up bilingual or trilingual. So I grew up trilingual because we spoke Tamil and English at home, and we learned Malay in school. So I kind of grew up learning all three. But um, when I was in college, I... Studied Swedish, wow. and I I studied abroad in Sweden for about a year. So yeah, so I I still try to keep up with my Swedish, but it's kind of rusty now. <laughs>
0: That's so cool. <laughs> I love learning languages. It's I am not bilingual or trilingual, but I do know how to speak. I'm like I'm I'm conversational in Spanish, and I am learning Swahili from all my trips Ooh, to Kenya. Mm-hmm. And that is a very difficult language to learn. Um, but I <laughs> spend like 10 to 15 minutes a day. I have an app where I am learning Swahili. I've been doing it for a while now. So, and Is every- it Duolingo? Yes, I love Duolingo. Yeah, that's what I use too. I use it for my Swedish. <laughs> yes, it's the best. It's so great. And I, yeah, I literally use the app every day. And so on Duolingo, I'm refreshing my Spanish and then I'm learning learning Swahili and Mm. um, because I used to be like pretty fluent in Spanish more so like after high school because I took it in high school and I could speak it pretty well and I had a lot of friends who were Spanish speakers so I would practice like with their parents and stuff and then I just I think the Swahili language is really beautiful so I wanted to learn it and so Mm. Every time I go I I learn a little bit more and um and then so I found the app Duolingo I guess like back in the summer maybe early fall of last year and um so I've been like doing it every single day but it is a very very difficult language so um but when I went to Kenya back in January I was able to like I mean I could have a you know, okay, conversation, and I can actually understand more than I could like recall what to say. Mm-hmm. But um, so I'm getting there. I'm getting there. I'm nowhere near like <laughs> conversational or fluent. But I, I was, I was getting there. But yeah, it's it's just so fun. I mean, I love languages. I love learning um, different languages and and learning about the cultures and kind of origins and like I'm fascinated by linguistics and all of that. So anyway, I could talk about that for a while. But that's so cool. I. I want to learn more languages throughout my life.
1: (laughs) I mean, being able to speak someone's tongue really sort of bridges the gap in so many ways. Yeah,
0: it does. It was um, it was just so hilarious. Like every time I would be, you know, out in Kenya, and I would you know say a greeting or ask someone their name or you know tell them that you know ask them how their day is going or say what you know it was nice to meet them. Like it was just so funny because sometimes like especially kids would be like, "What is this Mzungu doing?" Like Mzungu is like what they call white people. White so Yeah. Would, like, what is this Mzungu doing? Like, speaking Swahili, like and. and. And like all my Kenyan friends would be like, you actually pronounce things very well. So they think and then they would start talking to me like in a lot of Swahili. So I think they thought that I knew more than I did because of my pronunciation. So I don't know. But anyway, yeah, it really does. It bridges a gap. It creates a kind of just this kinship between people when you speak each other's Mm -hmm. languages.
1: (laughs) Yeah, because uh, people feel like you made an effort, right? To learn about their culture or who they are, right. so they appreciate that. Yeah, yeah
0: absolutely. Um, okay, next question is: What is something that is really important to you, but you don't get the chance to talk about it very much?
1: What? <laughs> hmm, I'm trying to think. I talk. I, I talk a lot, and I talk about a lot of things. <laughs> um, I guess perhaps yes. Being single. Oh being single Christian woman is something that is very important to me. Yeah. But I don't get to talk about it very much. Yes. And,
0: well, um, I have a lot of single Christian friends uh here too and they all just talk about how there's there's a need for people to you know, that that demographic to be reached better.
1: Mm-hmm. I mean I definitely feel that. I mean, and I, everybody tells me, you know, I've read like hundreds of articles and books and, uh, and blogs and I'm like, again, but when you are going through singlehood or, you know, and you're like, what, what, you know, God, what, what do you have? You know, am I going to be single forever? Is this your will for me? Will I, have, will I ever get married? Will I have kids? I mean, and, you know, and and of course, I've realized that this is not a season of waiting. It's actually a season of doing. Mm. So don't wait. I mean, you just do. So you just live your life. And, yeah. and in a way, I mean, when I look back, I mean, if I wasn't single, like earth, air wouldn't have come about or, I mean, who knows, right? I mean, every path that you take, God makes the best out of it. But for me, I think God birthed earth, air in a way, and I was able to pursue it because I was single. Yeah. So, but yeah, I mean, it that's definitely a challenge because I'm all like, Where are the single Christian guys?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Oh, man. Well,
1: Saucy. I'm going to be a... This this uh, is a big pit. You shouldn't step into this pit,
0: Molly. Oh, Saucy, I love you. You are awesome. Oh, my goodness. Okay, well, that leads me to my last question. And that is the question that I ask all the guests. And that is, Saucy, what does it mean to you to run a business with purpose?
1: For me, it has definitely meant being able to get out of bed every day. That's probably been the biggest thing because I think that's probably what I struggled with when I did my other jobs or, you know, where I didn't feel linked to the purpose of that business or what I was doing. But when I feel like aligned with the purpose of the business that I'm in and I mean it helps even on the days when you feel like you're absolute crappiest and then you get up and do it anyway because you know there are all these families depending on you or it's part of who you are and you believe in it it's your passion and so to me that's been the biggest thing is to is to be able to get up every morning and and keep going on with life
0: yeah yeah oh man saucy that's so good well thank you so much for coming on the show i know it is so late at night where you are um and it is just such a it was such a joy to connect with you um after all this time and so you are just you are amazing thank you for everything and thank you for being on the show today
1: thank you for having me molly and good morning is it morning it is morning here (laughs) yes (laughs) Yeah, it's almost midnight here. (laughs) Well, I love it. And
0: this this transcends all time and space. (laughs) You are awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you, Molly. Thank you. God bless. Bye. I'd love to know what you loved about this episode or something that you learned. If you do, let me know on social media. You can always find me at Molly or at Business With Purpose Podcast on Instagram or Facebook. And don't forget that hashtag Business With Purpose Podcast. Thanks so much for listening to this week's episode. If you are a first-time listener of the show, welcome. Be sure to visit the archives for past shows featuring amazing entrepreneurs and business owners who are changing the world with their businesses. And if you are a regular listener of the show, thank you for tuning in week in and week out and thank you for your support. Be sure to head on over to iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Radio Public, or wherever you listen to podcasts and click that subscribe button to help make sure that you never miss a new episode of the show. And while you're there, would you take a moment just to leave a review? Leaving a review helps me to know what you're liking and how the show is personally impacting you. This show, as always, is produced by Third Wheel Media. Thank you so much for listening. Now go do something good with purpose on purpose.